is the fake news. The fake news is the fake news the enemy of the people. That's the subject of tonight's point of view. Yes, we're going to be talking about the situation in D.C. with the Native American elder and the Kentucky teenagers. But I'm going to start tonight with last Friday in this BuzzFeed fake news story. We came on the air and I said to you, I said, hey, look, be very wary of this BuzzFeed story. Something just doesn't pass the smell test about it. We talked about thinking critically when you see these kind of stories that are considered these bombshell stories. And then sure enough, towards the very end of our show, maybe right around even 7 p.m. our time, <clears throat> excuse me, Special Counselor Mueller just drops the nuke almost unprecedented the special counsel come out and says yeah basically this buzzfeed story is fake news they long they let the story run and the mainstream media is just foaming at the mouth impeachment we finally we finally got trump he's going to be impeached i mean they had the whole thing lined up for about roughly 24 hours special counsel drops the nuke and all of a sudden the media has this mea culpa moment look in the mirror and doggone it we need to do better we need to be better in this business we cannot stand to get ahead of ourselves and run with these stories and foam at the mouth and say all these things it's time for us to have a honest conversation with ourselves look in the mirror as the media and start doing the right thing until they saw this picture and I want to paint a picture for you as you look at this picture, because I know you've all seen it. We can bring this graphic up, please, of this young man with the Kentucky and the Make America Great Again hat on. So let me create some context here for a moment. I'm not talking necessarily about people just here in our community. I'm talking about the uber progressives, the uber liberals. I'm going to run something down here. Could they dislike anything more? Could uber, please, please keep the graphic up. Could the uber progressives dislike anything more than a white, male, toxic masculinity, Christian, at a pro-life march in D.C., wearing a Make America Great Again hat. Folks, I couldn't make up that checklist if I wanted to make up the exact thing, idea, person to have the <clears throat> uber-liberal media go bonkers and try to do a virtual lynching of a young person like that. So they have this mea culpa on Friday night and Saturday, and then sure enough, not even within 24 hours, because of that picture and because of some of the video that was out there, you start to see headlines like this. Here's an example from CNN. CNN put this out. Video shows a crowd of teenagers wearing, notice their language here, Make America Great Again hats, taunting a Native American elder after Friday's Indigenous People's March at the Lincoln Memorial. Please note, the Make America Great Again hats in that tweet. Then the New York Times runs with this headline. Students in Trump hats mock Native American school apologizes. So a couple things here. Is there any chance the story would have become what it was if these students wouldn't have been wearing Make America Great Again hats or as the New York Times call, calls them Trump hats? I think very, very debatable. I'm sure by now many of you have seen much more context, much more video to show that, if anything, and this is the, the hardest thing, in my opinion, for the mainstream media to swallow, if anything, these young, white, Christian, pro-life, Trump-loving students acted with restraint, acted with respect. And they're going, this shouldn't happen. 
Trump's crazy, and these young men, they're like acting with what is going They didn't know how to even deal with it to the point where an actual congressman from Kentucky, not making this up, congressman from Kentucky, the state where these kids are from, tweeted this out at some point after the video started coming out. He says, I can't even believe the congressman put this out there. I'm calling for a total and complete shutdown of teenagers wearing mega hats until we can figure out what is going on. They seem to be poisoning young minds. <clears throat> it is being reported that Representative Yarmouth has since said, oh, hey, I was just joking, but clearly uh, that was not a joking tweet when it was originally put out. And when you see what's happened to these young men, and really the whole story, it doesn't do any justice as well to our great Native American elders and or Native American vet veterans or Native Americans at all seeing this kind of set it because many people are saying, hey, now this is propaganda. And it's because of the way the fake news, what I would suggest is the enemy of the people is running with these stories before they give it the full context. When you see the full context, it is a much different story. Quickly, I want you to bring up this graphic here. Please go to our Facebook page. We've got a fantastic conversation going on about this story in and of itself. Well over 400, maybe 500 comics. If we can bring this up, please. But of what's happening on the POV Facebook page to become part of this conversation if you want to have what I think is a very empowering dialogue around this situation. So please share your point of view with us. On this, is the fake news the enemy of the people? I also want to get a point of view from the person joining us live now from our studio in Bismarck. That is Senator Kevin Kramer. Senator, great to have you with us, sir. Let's just start with this because this has been kind of the hot story of the weekend. We've got a large Native American population here in North Dakota. Uh, your reaction to this story, sir? We unfortunately don't have, so Senator, if you can hear me, sir, we've got to work on an audio situation for you. Uh, so hopefully we can do that, Josh. If you want to get in my ear and let me know, we can get that handled. So as we wait to get the audio piece figured out, uh, obviously I would love to know your point of view on what took place here where you see people get ahead of their skis. And, and look, we know that stuff happens. So we've got uh, Senator Kramer with us now. Senator, in one moment, I want to get your action first and foremost, maybe even most importantly sure. today. Happy birthday, sir. <laughs> Oh, thank you very much. Yeah, thanks. It's great. I've been spending some time with grandchildren today. It's very well, nice. Well, we appreciate you. But I have to tell tonight. you, the, 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 it, it, it's a pleasure, Chris. And I want you guys to know it first. I want you to run with this. Um, Martians have landed on the Capitol Mall. They're meeting with Nancy Pelosi tonight <laughs> to talk about impeachment proceedings that will begin tomorrow. It's really big stuff, and I want you to have it before BuzzFeed gets it. Then they can take the story and they can question me about it tomorrow. It's really stunning to watch, sir, and, and you know, I think it's, well, that's why I it set is. it up the way I did to say these people are saying, hey, we've got to have this mea culpa, this look in the mirror conversation, and then not even in 24 hours. I mean, you lay out the sort of the, those check boxes I did of the perfect person for them to have you Trump derangement syndrome, and unfortunately, it blinds them to sometimes what's real. Sir, I want to bring this up real quickly because I think it's an interesting dialogue now in the context of what we've seen here just last weekend, the week before that, the New York Times ran with this counterintelligence story that Trump's a Russia, Russia agent. Right. But in 2016, I want to see if you're open to doing something like this again. You said, hey, look, we need to, to pull these media people in and have a congressional yeah. hearing. You said you were alarmed, and I'm quoting you now, by recent polls and studies, which seem to confirm that our national network news have devolved from fact-based journalism to surreptitious propaganda. I think many people would agree you nailed it back then. What, what, what can we do now? 
what's gotten a lot worse, Chris, and my point at that time was not aimed at all of the media because clearly the National Enquirer, BuzzFeeds, I mean, they're not real, they're not serious. You got Mike McFeely at the forum. These aren't people, these aren't journalists. These aren't people that others take seriously until lately somehow somehow now they matter what bothered me then and still bothers me is when the networks themselves who are riding free on beachfront property owned by the taxpayers of this country with the great privilege of using prime spectrum to to spew their propaganda they ought to be better and i i don't think it's too much it's not censorship and i know all the the you know one the group formerly known as mainstream media get all uptight when i talk like this i'm not talking about censorship what i'm talking about is this fundamental responsible fairness when you're using the people's airwaves so um it's not gotten any better what more what can you do i don't know because as soon as you try to take them on they t try to take you down so let's move on, sir. But one, one last question. Does President Trump write, I want to see if you agree with him, is President Trump correct in his assessment that the fake news, fake news is the enemy of the people? Chris, I hesitate to use language like that because I value our free and open press so much. Now, they don't value my opinion nearly as much as I value their, their uh, right to be free press. But it does bother me. Chris, when, when mainstream media, now I'll just tell you, this network, this local network owned by Great TV, called for a response from me about the Cohen story that was, that was released by BuzzFeed. I mean, BuzzFeed, when did we start looking at BuzzFeed for a source? A so and by the way, their sources were neither named nor was the evidence provided that supposedly these unnamed sources had. So we, we've got to do a lot better. It's, it's, but they, they don't police themselves. I guess this is why they don't, no one pays any attention to them anymore. Yeah, and I would encourage people to check out the, one of the authors of that BuzzFeed story. I mean, Coke addict, you know, had a full story about the indictment of Karl Rove. Let's move on to what matters now for the people is this right. government shutdown. Sure. Um, is Trump winning this government shutdown fight? Well, he, I think he's winning with his base. I think Democrats are winning with their base. I think it's the middle ground that's available for, for influence, and I think he knocked it out of the ballpark. When, he, when Nancy Pelosi wouldn't negotiate with them, he negotiated on her behalf. He went beyond generous with his offer on Saturday. We're adding to that generosity in the Senate by adding the 12 plus billion dollars for disaster relief. And he couldn't ask for more as of a starting point for a negotiation that, by the way, we'll be able to vote this week on reopening the government and funding modestly a small part of the of border protection while also uh, while also funding things like USDA and the IRS and everybody's favorite agencies. And, uh, and yet she says it's a non-starter. I'm, I'm absolutely baffled by it. Sir, we'll get to the negotiation piece in a moment. I want to ask you this because to me, the President of the United States getting up on a Saturday afternoon for a pretty important announcement mm -hmm. just seemed like an odd time. Mm -hmm. And I'm asking this question in this context. Were there D.C. Sure. swamp senators rhinos working on a back-end deal to have a 60-plus vote veto override with no money for wall funding. 
None that I'm familiar with, Chris, and I'm pretty familiar okay. with the negotiations in the Senate. There were some senators, as we know, widely known, um, headed by Lindsey Graham, that were trying to talk the president into, you know, to maybe a three-week short-term continuing resolution while we negotiated a, a larger, you know, under this public spotlight um, border deal, but never one that would get 60 votes and that would be able to sustain an, an override. That was never discussed. It, it would be futile for sure. And and now, though, we have a deal on the table that is, like I said, beyond generous. If it doesn't get 60 votes in the Senate, then nobody's serious about funding the government or certainly so about securing our borders. Are you saying this deal as is is going to hit the Senate floor and you're expecting to pick up seven Democrat votes for it? I don't know if we can pick up seven, but I know we'll pick up some. Um, hopefully we would get to seven. Chris, how does a senator, for example, from California, vote against funding uh, you know, not only border security, but the USDA, the IRS? Um, how about um, relief from the wildfires? I, I just don't know how it gets much more generous for them. Plus, remember, that it, we're going to start this in the Senate. So that means it goes to the House where the real negotiation will take place. I don't think any of us are naive enough to think that Nancy Pelosi is just going to roll over and, and pass it as is. I suspect that other negotiations will begin and the pot will get sweetened. I think there are enough Democratic senators with their heads screwed on straight enough to, uh, to at least want that negotiation to take place. But they're saying, sir, hey, we need to open up the government first, then we'll negotiate. One example, Senator Warner is now floating the idea of, hey, why don't we at least pay these people so they're getting paid since they're working and, and even the people that aren't working, right. let's negotiate that. Would you vote for something like that? Well, I've actually, I'm actually co-sponsor of Ron Johnson's bill that does that, does that pays the people that are working um, while they're working rather than waiting till later. But whether that happens or it doesn't happen, you, if you're in a negotiation, you don't give one side everything they want and, the other, and say, we'll give you everything you want. You just continue talking to us about the things that we want. That's, that's just nonsense. And it's, you know, to start a negotiation, as Nancy Pelosi has, by saying it's a non-starter, when, when she, I don't think she appreciates how difficult it is for conservatives to vote for this package that they don't agree with but they're willing to do that to get the negotiations going we'll pass it I believe we will pass it um, this week the house will have that opportunity and we can we can open the government in the Senate I don't know what the house is going to do but there's going to be a lot of pressure remember government workers in California uh, places like that are going to be putting the pressure on uh, their members of Congress to to vote for this package um, whether they do or they don't, it's hard to say. I will say this, Chris. I have some empathy for what Nancy Pelosi is going through. She's got a very radical left wing that she can't be speaker without. And just like we had when we were in the majority, John Boehner and, um, and Paul Ryan had to deal with, you know, 20, 30 members that, that you know, wanted to make a point more than make a difference. And, and that makes it difficult to put together a majority. So she wants to be speaker more than she wants to uh, open this government, then, then she probably won't deal. But um, this is why the president goes on TV on a Saturday, goes around her and talks to her people directly right into the camera and, uh, and get that uh, very Reagan-esque, get that pressure applied by the people we shall see how this thing plays out it sounds like you guys are probably going to vote on it on thursday sir i got to ask you about this um you and a former north dakota legislature roscoe striley having a little twitter spat if you will you were talking about <laughs> uh syria he came back and said hey let the president handle foreign policy centers stick to what you know you said if we can bring this up please this graphic be careful roscoe you're in very deep end without a life jacket then he wanted to save in some more 
I would say, disparaging things. Uh, one, did you write yeah. that tweet yourself? And if so, what, what are you trying to accomplish? Well, I didn't see a second tweet. In fact, I only saw the first one because somebody sent it to me. I would never see a tweet like that. But I was sort of amused by it. Um, I think he was a legislator or something before, and I'm pretty sure he said things that, well, in fact, I think I saw an op-ed today by him giving the, giving the governor advice about higher education. And it's like, great, you know, you have every right to do that. But I do sit on the Armed Services Committee. I do sit through very top secret briefings on the Syria withdrawal. I, I do know more than a little bit about it. And, um, and if I want to talk on a national uh, network about it, I'm going to. <laughs> Senator Kramer, thank you for the time. I have a responsibility time, to, I would say. You, amen, you do. Yeah. And we'll talk thank more you, about uh, the missile defense and the Syria and all that kind of foreign policy stuff next time. Because I know you want to get back to the grandkids. Thank you for joining us on your birthday, sure. sir. And again, happy birthday. Thanks, Chris. Always good to be with you. Thank you very much. All right, stay